You know, I grew up in a great home with an amazing family and awesome parents, and they knew God. They really did. They, they were the real deal. And we went to church all the time. It was a part of our life. We went to youth group and camp and stuff like that. When I was 12 years old at a camp called Pine Haven, I just knew, and I walked the aisle, and I said yes to Jesus, and they baptized me in a cold, muddy lake, and uh, I've never really um, appreciated that moment more than I do these days. But you know, when I was in high school, my world started to get bigger. I started to kind of think critically, you know. I started to study the humanities and the sciences, and I began to ask questions, questions like, you know, is this whole Christianity thing even real? Like, do I know that if I wasn't born into this family, whether I would believe any of this at all? And I allowed myself to kind of ask some questions that I was kind of afraid to ask before then. It wasn't like a full-blown crisis of faith, but I began to wrestle with some doubts. As I wrestled with those doubts, it made me really hungry for the truth, and I wanted to investigate the claims of Christianity. I wanted to kind of know what was real because I had to choose a life path, you know. And that led me down this road of just kind of studying things and reading things. I was, a, I was a junior in high school, and I went back to summer camp. In fact, the same one that I'd given my life to Christ at. And one night, they had this fireside chat thing, and there was this college professor that was deeply respected. I respected him, and he was speaking. And I'll never forget kind of what happened that night. Um, here he was, this smart guy, but he believed in God. He was a Christ follower, and I wanted to know why. And he actually talked about it that night. And he said, you know, there's lots of mysteries to the Christian faith. There's lots of things I don't understand. He said, there are things that I couldn't convince you of if you're determined not to believe them. He said, but you know what? The whole thing, he said, comes down to one important thing. He said, it all rests on something that happened in history, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He said that, and I listened in and to what, what is he talking about? And he said, you know, because if that one thing is real, if that happened, God came to earth in flesh and lived and died and rose again, that changes everything. And whatever other questions or tensions or unanswered things you have in your head, you can learn to deal with that, and, and it would just make the most sense in the world that I would trust that kind of a God who would love me and have that much power. And when he said that, and he went on to explain how he had experienced the risen Christ in his own life and how science and all this stuff had, had, was helpful for the resurrection, something in my head and my heart clicked into place and I in that moment I knew this is what I'm giving my life to and I'm sure of it and faith was rekindled in me and I'll never forget it I told my friend Rich right after that I said I think I believe in the resurrection again and I'm ready to, to do this with my life and here it was just a few feet away from where I had given my life to Christ in baptism years earlier I'd kind of come full circle and ever since then, I've been trying my best to follow Jesus, and it's not been always easy. And there's been some hard stuff, but it's, been, it's changed so much of who I am. And I think about how different I would be without Christ. I mean, it's like I'm a completely different kind of husband and father. I'm less selfish, I hope. I, know, I think I am. It's certainly changed my career path, as you all know, but it's, it's also just changed who I am in so many ways. And you could never convince me today that Jesus isn't real because of everything I've seen in so many lives and in my own life. And I'm absolutely convinced of this also, that it has made all the difference for me. 
That's my story. So what's your story? What's your God and me story? Because everybody has one, right? Everyone's got a God and me story. What if I told you that God wants to use you to bless other people and that one of the ways he wants you to do that is by sharing your story. And that that didn't have to mean, you know, something super scary or super tense or super combative or awkward or icky or creepy or any of that, but really just the most natural outworking of friendships that God puts in your life, of people you enjoy being with, and in the course of everyday conversation with people you enjoy and pray for and eat with and hang out with, God would open the door for you to do what friends always do, and that is talk about something that's important to you. That's exactly what we're talking about today. You know, we're in this series. Welcome, everyone, to the final installment of this series we're calling Blessed. B-L-E-S-S. And if you're just joining us online, welcome wherever you are in the world. And a big shout-out to everyone who's in one of our campuses today. Big shout-out to the people at our brand-new Aberdeen campus. Shout-out to our friends at the Edgewood campus and at the Abingdon campus, at Mountain Road campus, wherever you are. Glad you're with us. It's fun to see more and more people coming in person every week. Glad to have you with us. Next week, I want to tell you, is going to be off the charts cool. It's Father's Day, yeah, but I think the highlight is going to be we have a baptism splash plan. We have water at every campus ready to go because I think that some people are going to have their story really take a big exciting turn next week as we see many people I believe commit their life to Christ and I'm ready and excited for that I think God's been at work during the pandemic so check it out on the website mountaincc.org that's where you can sign up or just show up we don't care if you sign up or not just come and whatever you do pray this up and get people to listen or to be at one of our campuses next week you know who they are who need to just hear a word from God that's all happening next week where are we right now what about this week well here we go Jesus was asked one time what's the most important thing and without skipping a beat He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And then he said, also without missing a beat, love your neighbor as yourself. Love God and love people. How do you do that? How do you love your neighbor? If you're a person with your head screwed on, you ought to be asking that question. How do we do the thing that Jesus says is most important? And God's answer has always been the same. It's bless them. It's how God started this whole thing. Remember Abram back in Genesis chapter 12. Abram, I want you to leave everything you know and love. I want you to go and I will bless you. Why? So you will be a blessing to others. Not just you, but all the families on the earth will be blessed through you. I can see Abram like, what? You want to bless not just me, but everyone? Yes. How? Through you, Abram. And guess what? God still has the same agenda to bless everyone you know especially the people that are far from him. Those are the ones he wants to love into the family the most. How does he want to do it? Same way, by Jesus saying, go. And as you are going, you're leading them into the life that is life in me. As you're going, make disciples. Every day, you're on mission. And so that's what bless is really all about. It's about living our lives, realizing that Every day we're called to love our neighbor by blessing them. And so we're stealing this 
acronym. It's B-L-E-S-S, blessed. We got it from the Ferguson boys, and it's awesome because these are so simple, practical. They're biblical right out of the life of Jesus. They're memorable, but man, they're not just things in a sermon series. This is meant to anchor down into like who we are. So let's remember what they are, okay? Let's go through them one at a time. Give me a B. What does the B stand for? B is begin with prayer. Right. Makes so much sense. Start right there. Then L stands for listen because that's the way we care and love for people. E stands for eat. How can we share meals to just develop friendships and enrich our lives with others? And then last week, S is serve where we humble ourselves and, and just in tangible ways reflect the love of God for others. And then today, the final S stands for share your story. Share your story. Now, you might have noticed something about these things. B-L-E-S is those first four are kind of nonverbal, right? Like you don't have to use a lot of words for those things. And nonverbal communication, as we all know, is super, super powerful. Like you can say a lot with just your body language and your face, right? Someone says, oh, I love cats. And you go, ugh. I didn't say anything, but I communicated my opinion, didn't I? Or, you know, a bunch of guys are on the, on the, uh, the golf course and someone sinks a 20-foot putt for the clinch win and wins all the money and all the buddies on his team are jumping around the green, high five and slapping them on the butt because that's what guys do. They didn't say a word, but they communicated a lot. You know, a teacher's in class and someone's sitting in the back row and they're slouching and their arms are folded and they're too cool for this school. They're communicating a lot. I was with some friends this week who've lost someone very dear to them. Friends from our church with a death in the family. And when I greeted them, I didn't have a lot of words. We just held each other in a tight embrace and locked eyes. And everything was communicated that need to. You, you, can, you can also bless people in lots of ways without using any words. You can pray by just calling to mind an image of that friend or neighbor and silently offering it to God. You, you, can, you can listen with your ears, not your mouth, Right? You can eat by just being present and physically there with someone. You can, you can serve them with your hands and your feet. But guess what? When we come to this matter of blessing in the way that Jesus did, eventually, my friend, if you want to help them find Jesus, eventually you're going to have to use words. If you want them to know the good news, they're going to have to eventually hear it. Here's the takeaway. If you want to bless your neighbor, Jesus invites you to share your story. All right, Jesus invites you to share your story. The final S in the word bless is the one that sometimes gets left off, guys and gals, because it pushes us out of our comfort zone, honestly, doesn't it? But you can't spell bless with only one S, and you are not going to very likely lead someone to discover the love of God without naming it for them. By just hoping they pick it up by osmosis, there's going to be times when words are necessary. Now, if we're honest, this one's tricky because we can be pretty reluctant, I think, to venture into this territory, to share our stories. There's lots of reasons for that. We've all heard the expression, the cat's got your tongue, right? We know the expression, has the cat got your tongue? And there's debates actually about where that phrase originated. 
uh, someone, someone said, well, it comes back actually way back to the old English Navy where they would whip someone and flog them with a cat of nine tails, a whip. They call it cat of nine tails, and they would be silent for days. Well, why aren't they talking? Well, cat got his tongue. Some say it was back in ancient Egypt when if you blasphemed or did something like that, they would literally yank your tongue out and feed it to the cats. Why isn't that guy ta- saying anything? Well, Literally, the cat got his tongue. Others say it was from medieval periods where witches had these evil cats and the minions around them, whatever. Whatever the case, I think it just pretty much confirms that cats, it's one more piece of evidence that cats aren't as good as dogs. But the other thing it really reminds us of is this, that fear can sometimes keep us from talking. That's what the expression means. When the cat gets your tongue, you sometimes have a story and something you want to say, but it doesn't come out. And I think we identify with that. I know I do sometimes. Because we don't want people to think we're weird or we don't want to be socially offensive or out of place or show bad form or not respectful or I don't want to offend someone or I don't want them to think I'm weird or I don't know if I'll do it right. We have lots of reasons. Like the time Peter in the Bible, who really loved Jesus, But he was cornered in that courtyard and the girl asked him about Jesus and he was like, Jesus who? He denied even knowing him three times. And then the rooster crowed and I think we can all identify with that where sometimes maybe you've felt a little inner nudge from God like your stomach starts moving like, oh, this is maybe a moment I'm supposed to share something or say something about my story or point to God but you, you you, you freeze and you don't and like when the rooster crowed you feel like you missed it and you're horrible. But you know that same guy, Peter, when he eventually had an opportunity to be forgiven and meet the risen Jesus, he was completely changed. He was a completely different dude. In fact, we meet him over in in the book of Acts, and he's this confident, bold leader of this fledgling Jesus movement at that point. They dragged Peter and John one day in front of this really brutal kind of intimidating council in Jerusalem. They drag him over there, and they threaten them. Look at what happens in Acts chapter 4. Here's what it says. It says, They called the apostles back in and commanded them, Never again speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him we cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard this is the same guy the same sort of jesus who i don't know what you're talking about who just a little while later is like you can put me in jail do whatever you want i can't not talk about this and you know what i think every one of us has a little bit of one of those versions of peter in us or the other don't we we have sort of the, I, 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 I just let the moment go by and I, oh shoot, missed it. Peter, we have a little of that. And so we also have the capacity to be like, oh, this is such a good story. I can't not help it. And I'm not going to worry about what you think. I wonder which one you're like right now. And I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you to find your tongue, to share Not everything, but your story. And I can tell you this. Most of us are never going to be um, like put in a position like Peter and John were that day where you're physically threatened, you know. But I, I tell you, here is what God is calling you to do. And that is to love your neighbor and to care about people who are far from God. And to care enough about your friends and family and people you live and work and play with that you will, when the time is right, because you've developed 
natural relationships, you'll be ready to just share what Jesus means to you. And that's it. And then you leave all the results up to God. In the warmth of the light of friendship, it's the most natural thing in the world to talk about your life with God. Now, I I think this is so difficult for a lot of us that we need to talk a little more about some of the reasons for our reluctance. Let's, Let's break them down a little bit. And I'm not trying to argue with anyone or convince you, but these are things that, that, um, again, from Dave and John Ferguson that are so helpful, I wanted to share them with you. Number one, I think a reason that a lot of us are super reluctant is we say this, I just don't have what it takes. Because we imagine in our head that sharing your story is reserved for super religious types, right? Or it's like people who have the Bible like memorized forward and backward. Or I don't, what if they get me into a debate or they ask me, you know, some question? I don't know. They, did Adam have a belly button? You know, or I was like, ah, you know, what if I, what if I just freak out or I mess up or something like this? And, and, and you know, this, this fear of not having all the answers is, is very real for us. You know, but I love this. I love Matthew 24. One time they cornered Jesus and said, when's the end times? When is the Father going to restore everything to Israel? And you know what he says? He says, I don't know. And I love that. You know? I love it so much because if Jesus can say, I don't know, so can I and so can you. And it's totally okay. I've been asked so many things by unbelievers when they'll think, well, you're a pastor. Well, what about this? And I'm like, hmm, I don't know. You know, let me think about that or let me ask around or maybe I'll do some reading and get back to you. You know, and, and it's totally okay because the beauty is, is about Jesus and what he's done in my life, not me knowing every answer to the questions. You're not going to know every answer to challenging questions. You're not going to have all of that. And that's okay, because listen, here's what you do have. You have the Spirit of God with you. When Jesus' disciples were sent out, they were like, oh no, we're all freaked out. And here's what Jesus said, Matthew 10. He says, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. He says, God will give you the right words at the right time. Isn't that awesome? He'll do that for you too. He says, it is not for you, it's not even you who will be speaking. It will be the spirit of your father speaking through you. I've experienced this so many times. And I've talked to countless people who are like, I don't know what happened there. I was so nervous and afraid, but just kind of like a calm came over and I found a sentence or two that just was like, that was really good. Where did that come from? I says, I know where it came from. It's the spirit of God speaking through you. Maybe you don't have what it takes, but if you have Jesus, you've got the spirit in you, you've got a little story to tell, and you do have exactly what it takes, all right? So there's another big reluctance, though, that a lot of us have, and, and that's this one here. When a person says, I don't want to impose my beliefs on other people. I just don't want to impose my beliefs on other people. And it's weird because we live in a climate when everyone's like jamming their stuff down everyone's throat, right? On social media and everywhere. But Christians feel this like, yeah, it would be bad form and I don't want to do that. Or maybe we've seen these Christians who are like always angry or ranting on social media or yelling and ramming the Bible down someone's throat. And if that's what you're afraid of, good. (laughs) Don't do that. Okay? Don't do that. All right? But that's not what we're called to do. Remember Peter, the one who said, I will share what I have to say about God. You know what else he said? Look at, look at 1 Peter 3. 15 and 16. He says, if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But, listen, he says this, but do this in a gentle and respectful way. Can I just say 
to some of my friends. If you're one of these believers who thinks you're helping by ranting and arguing, always trying to win, and you come off judgy and preachy, but you're not doing it in a way that has other people feeling respected because of your gentleness, according to the Bible, you're doing it wrong. Please think about this. This isn't about you being right. This isn't about that at all. This is about the beauty of Jesus and in hoping people are attracted to him. It's a conversation where you're invited to share some of the reasons that your life is different. And I promise you, humbly sharing the difference Jesus has made in your life is not imposing your beliefs on anyone. It's called friendship. That's why I love that quote by D.T. Niles. He says, you know what Christianity is? It's really just one beggar kind of telling another beggar where to find bread. I love that. It's like, don't hog the bread. If you found something good, why wouldn't you want to share that? And if you've truly found forgiveness in Christ, he's changed your eternity, he's changed your outlook, he's given you hope and trouble, and you're going to use some words sometimes so you don't hoard the bread. Listen to what Paul wrote to the Romans. He said, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That promise for Abraham can happen today where all the peoples of the earth can be blessed. How? Through Jesus. They just got to call on the name of the Lord Jesus. Now listen though. Listen to what he says in verse 14. He goes on to say, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? Great question. He says, oh, but think about this. How can they believe in him if they've never actually heard about him? Oh, yeah. That's a good point. And then he says, and how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Let's read that last sentence again, but this time I'd like you to swap out that word someone with your name. Okay? How can they hear about him unless Ben tells them? Unless... How, maybe you can swap another name out for the word they. How can Marlene hear about him unless Susan tells her? How can Michael hear about Jesus unless Simone tells him? Friends, this is our calling. Everybody's hungry for truth and for everyone's hungry for love. Everyone's hungry for peace and hope. And Jesus says, I am that living bread that you're hungry for. So be ready to share your story about how some of the hungers that everyone has have been fed for you by Jesus. You know, there's one last reluctance I want to mention. That is that sometimes people say things like, you know what, it just this whole thing makes me feel uncomfortable. Sharing my faith makes me feel so uncomfortable. And I get it. Some of us are, are new to it or we get nervous around trying to put words out there or what if, I, you know, they shoot me. I mean, we get all these kinds of bad things in our head, right? So, but can I just cut to the chase here? Are you really going to let those feelings of you being nervous and uncomfortable stop you from sharing words that could change someone's life and their family and their, their kids and their kids' kids and their entire eternity? I mean, let's put it in stark terms. I mean, being nervous is not always a good reason not to do something. I mean, people, 
People register for nursing school and take driver's tests and start businesses even though they're nervous and often they're glad they did. When I met Carla, I was so nervous I couldn't find any words to even say, but I finally found a way to say, could I call you sometime? And I'm glad I did because there are some things that even though we're really nervous and uncomfortable about them, we figure out that the potential benefit and gain is so much bigger than the the fear we feel around the nervousness that we go ahead and do it. And this, my friends, is one of those. For people who are followers of Jesus who went to a cross on our behalf, we can find our tongue. Now remember, when we talk about sharing our story, um, it doesn't have to be super complicated. I think we make this harder than it needs to be. Let's just kind of bring this down and let's keep it simple, all right? I want to show you something. One day Jesus met a guy um, who had a life-changing experience with Jesus, for sure, and he had an amazing story as a result. It's told about in John chapter 9. Look at verse 1. It simply says in verse 1, Jesus was walking along and he saw a man who had been blind from birth. So we don't know much about the guy. We don't know his name. We'd learn later that he was also a beggar. So he's very poor and he's a blind guy. He's never seen a sunrise, never seen a sunset, never seen his mother's face. And there he is begging for bread every day. Jesus comes by and does something really weird. In the text it says that Jesus bent down and he got some dirt in his hand and he spit in it and he made a little mud pie and he rubs it all over the guy's face. And then he says, now go wash it off. It's just weird. I don't know. If, I was, if it was my story, I'd probably want to leave that part out about, you know, someone putting spit-filled mud pies in my face. But it's part of the story, and so that's what the guy does. He does. And look what happens in verse 7. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. Like, wait, what? The guy who sat there every day is now up and around going, hey, I recognize that voice. Is that? I didn't know your nose was so big, Fred. You know, he can see. It's amazing. It's a miracle. So I wasn't blind from birth, but I've worn glasses since 1975. And at first, then I started getting these glasses. They're like, you can see far away, but not, but um, uh, no, you, you, you can see close up, but not far away. Well, then later when I got older, it changed and I couldn't see up close either. I had to change my prescription. And then they had to change it again when I got astigmatism. I go to the doc a little while ago and you know what she says? She says, oh, uh, you've got cataracts. I'm like, cataracts? That's for like old people, isn't it? And they're like, she didn't say anything. So yeah, I, I got cataracts. She says, good news, we can take those lenses out. We'll put new ones in and you won't be fuzzy anymore. And they did that a couple weeks ago and I'm like 2020 now. It's like, it's amazing. It's like, I can, I can see again. And trust me, I'm like, everywhere I go, people are like, Ben, where's your glasses? I'm like, let me tell you. And I'm telling them all about it. I'm like into the story. It's like, I'm telling you, I can see this now and all that stuff. And I don't wear glasses anymore, blah, blah, blah. You know, and it's so interesting. And I can tell you, if I have that tiny little story, you can imagine this guy had a big story to tell. That's the kind of difference Jesus can make. And so what I love is when they press him, what happened to you? Look what he says in verse 11. He says, the man they call Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourself. So I went and washed and now I can see. And I'm sure they're just like, oh, that makes perfect sense. No, I, I don't, they don't understand it any more than he does or why, but he just tells his experience and the difference Jesus made. That's all it is. They keep pressing him, and I love this part. Verse 25, they're like, come on, what's the real story? And he says, look, I don't know. I was blind, now I can see. 
Jesus did it. That, that's it. That's all he knows to say. And, and he doesn't argue with them. He doesn't give them any scripture verses. He doesn't get any theology lessons going. He just says, I was blind. Now I can see. Friends, that's all any of us are called to do is to think a little bit about what would my life be like without God? And to name that. Describe the difference that Jesus makes so that in a conversation you'll be ready to share it with gentleness and respect with a friend you've been eating or praying for or eating with or, or um, listening to. Now I want to encourage you get very practical here. I want to encourage you this week to share your story, to think about how your story would look and to share it. I'll give you a simple framework to do that, okay? We're going to get real practical in the time that remains. There's three parts to every story, okay? Check it out. Number one, is my life before Jesus, right? The second part of everyone's story is my life since I met Jesus, my life before I met Jesus, my life since I met Jesus. And the third part of everyone's story is, what's my life like now? Okay? It's, uh, what's the exact wording? Uh, my life since I met Jesus. That's it. So, my life before Jesus, I was a blind beggar. How I met Jesus, I don't know, he came up and put mud in my eye. And number three, my life since I met Jesus, I can see. And this, this pattern is exactly the story. I, I want to recommend to you all a TV series called The Chosen. I really love it. It's a creative and faithful telling of the life of Jesus done um, in a very moving way. And it, it, you can check it out uh, on the app or YouTube or you know wherever you can find it. It's called The Chosen. Season one, Nicodemus is there and he tries to cast out demons out of a tormented woman who is filled with, with demons and is abused by men as a prostitute and Satan in so many ways. And he's unsuccessful, but later he sees her. Her name is Mary Magdalene. He sees her in the marketplace, whole and, and, and beautiful again. And he, he's so struck with it. Watch this clip from The Chosen. He called me Mary. He said, I am his. I am redeemed. And it was so. Who did this? I don't know his name. And even if I did, I could not tell you. Why not? His time for men to know has not yet come. His time for men? He performs miracles and seeks no credit? What does he look like? Is he a member of Sanhedrin? Would you at least know him if you saw him again? I don't know why I am sharing this with you. I, I don't understand it myself. But here is what I can tell you. I was one way. And now I am completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. So yes, I will know him for the rest of my life. <laughs> I love that. You know, I, I, was, I was one way, and now I'm another. And the thing that happened in between was him. 
That's the threefold pattern of everyone's story. It's the threefold pattern. If you're a believer in Jesus, it's your story. Everyone's got a story, and it doesn't have to be dramatic like Mary's. Mine isn't even dramatic. It doesn't have to be amazing, but if it has Jesus in it, it's got a how I was before Jesus, how I met him, and what my life is like now. It's got those components. So I'm dead serious about this. I'm going to give us a minute right now to work on this, okay? We're going to, we're going to, you're going to leave here in a minute, you know, this, this time of ours being together with some clarity. I hope you open your spirit now to this because you have a story. Let's think about how yours would go, okay? Let's do some work on this because you can seriously populate those three buckets with some thoughts from your life, your story, so you could be ready to tell this story in three minutes or 30 minutes or three hours, whatever But it starts like this, my life before Jesus, remember? My life before Jesus. Tell about that. And if you grew up in church, tell about what it was like before you got really serious with Jesus. What was your life like? Maybe there was struggle or loneliness or addiction or or stuff like that. Maybe you were on a dead-end path or you were chasing, you know, sex or whatever it was. Or maybe it was just I was consumed with work, I only thought of myself, or life was great. I thought life was great, and I never even thought about God. Whatever it is, tell that. Second piece, remember how I met Jesus. Maybe he put mud in your eye, but I doubt it. Maybe it's something like, I don't know, what led you to start thinking about God or be more open to it? Was it a friend who invited you? Was it a tough time you went through? Was it someone who shared their story with you? My marriage fell apart. I got a DUI. My mother died. It was cancer in our family. It was something I saw in the war. One time a guy said to me, my life I thought was going great. I was making money and we're successful, but I'm sitting there watching a movie with my kids and I see this scene in a movie and it reminded me how empty my life was. What was it for you that led you to finally meet Jesus where you took steps, you said yes, and you got baptized and began to belong to the family? And then third my life since I met Jesus? What would you put there? Like, think about the differences in you because of Jesus. Like, what does it enable you to think and be differently? What impact has God's presence in your life made through the bad times? Be honest. Be real. Don't sugarcoat this. You know, don't say, oh, then I met Jesus and everything is great. Be honest about the hard times and your failures along the way. And how thankful you are, like I am, that when I screw up royally, I can go back to the amazing grace of God. What's your life like now? Keep it real. Keep it short. Keep it simple. Write it down, maybe. Type it out. Share it with someone. Small groups. Every small group should be doing this together and sharing it this next week together. All right? You can, you can do this. And as Dave says, don't sanitize or romanticize it. Just Tell your authentic story, okay? I, I got to tell you about Jen. Jen was a self-described atheist at one point in her life, but today she's a committed follower of Christ. And if you asked her what made the difference, she would tell you it was not the philosophical and intellectual arguments along the way. She would tell you how a close friend of hers shared her story with her. She stared the story of how Jesus had radically changed her life, and Jen just wrestled with it. She says, I didn't know what to do with that. It just kind of sat inside of her, tugging at her. She would say her friend's story lived in her heart and her mind for years. 
And when Jen finally started wrestling with the idea that there was a God that loved her, man, it was her friend's story of what God had done in her life that made all the difference. The power of a story and a life. And you know that time I was telling you about when I heard that college professor say those profound words that impacted me, that convicted me? What I didn't tell you is that that professor was my father. And his words were convicting and wise, but what moved me was his life, his story, and the meals we had shared and the testimony of the difference I could see. His story was his life, and that's how good stories are. So your story, whether you think it's simple or boring or amazing or ridiculous, doesn't matter. It's not really your story. It's God's story, and he says, I want you to share it like a beggar who's found bread. Point people to the living bread. So here's your challenge. Super practical. This is going to get fun now. Here's your challenge. This week, share your story in 15 seconds or less. You can do this. Three parts, three sentences is all it takes. Share your story in 15 seconds or less. Here's a video to cue you up. Check it out. Hey, guys. <laughs> oh, boy. Does that sound good? I feel pretty good. I, I always, I was like uh, sharing my story because I think there's just a lot of value in just sharing that experience with other people. I have a hard time expressing myself sometimes, so it was just finding the right words. I'm feeling okay sharing it. Like I said, the story's not over yet. Uh, the story is still being written. I was sat down for like maybe like an hour to try to like put it all together and actually like remember and process and pray. So there was a time in my life where I whoosh, there was a time in my life where I was very selfish and prideful and Jesus helped me get away from that. And through Jesus, I've been able to spread the good word and serve others and find purpose in my own life, spreading the word of God and spreading the kingdom. Jesus saved me. So. There was a time in my life when I didn't realize Jesus was in control and I thought I was the driver but then I was forgiven by Jesus and chose to follow him. Now I realize Jesus is the GPS of my life and I'm just simply following his instructions. There was a time in my life when I felt um, unfulfilled and lost, but because Jesus forgave me and I chose to follow him, I now live a life filled with purpose and joy. So there was a time in my life when I was indulging in too much drink, too much alcohol. It was having a, a negative impact uh, on a variety of things. Through a confluence of events that, that came together, I, I became convicted of both the need and also the desire to, to change. But I realized I couldn't do it on my own. So I went to the cross and I asked Christ for his forgiveness and I asked Christ for him to, to take it from me, to take the desire from me. Uh, and he, he did. And here we are 15 years later, and in those last years, I've not had a drink, nor have I had a desire for a drink. So that's my story. What's your story? So, what's your story? Here's your challenge this week. Share your story in 15 seconds, okay? Practice with your family. Write it down. Time yourself. You can do this. Share your story. Be bold. Be willing. 
Be strong. Be willing to go outside your comfort zone. Be like Jeremiah who said, it's like a fire in my bones. I, I got to do this. I, I want to do this. Wake up every day this week remembering the sermon series is over, but it's going to live on through me because you're going to put your feet on the floor and remembering I have been given a mission to bless people. And do it this week by sharing your story. Think about it, guys and gals. God has, God has used someone to pray for you and to bless you and to love you right into the family of God. Think about that part of your story, and now it's your turn to return the favor.